Shirts fans to episode number 81 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick, and I'm recording this just a few minutes after the Rangers suffered a tough 3-1 home loss against the Boston Bruins, and with it, the four-game winning streak is over. That was a season-high four-game winning streak, by the way, and just a tough game. You know, it was one of those games where for two periods, I really didn't think the Rangers really got much of anything going. They were just a half-step slow, and part of that is the opponent. I mean, we do have to keep in mind here the Bruins are the leaders in the President's Trophy race. They have excellent depth. They do a lot of things very well. They were in the Stanley Cup Finals last season, so it wasn't all on the Rangers. I mean, part of that was just the Bruins being the Bruins and, and just finding a way to win. I know that I personally am not a Bruins fan. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this share my sentiment on that, but facts are facts. The Bruins are one of the elite teams in this league, and they dictated terms to the Rangers uh, quite often here today, certainly in the first two periods. The Rangers got one back in the third period there. They got a power play goal from Mika Zibanejad with about 10 minutes remaining, and it looked like they were going to make a game of it. Well, they did make a game of it. They had a lot of scoring opportunities down the home stretch, but unfortunately, you know, Halak made a couple of nice saves, and you know, the Bruins just kind of bent but didn't break in the final few minutes there. And then, of course, they get an empty netter with about 12 seconds remaining. And it, again, it was just one of those games where for two periods, the Rangers really just could not get anything going. And again, part of that is the opponent because you look at the Bruins, they have depth, they play great defense, they have an outstanding penalty kill, which was on display for today. I mean, the Rangers did get the one power play goal, but they went one for five overall. And other than that one power play, uh, the Rangers man advantage looked pretty anemic. So you got to give credit to the Bruins for that. They were very good on the penalty kill. They have a great power play unit as well. They win faceoffs, and we just we saw an example of pretty much all of those things today. Now the Rangers did at least keep the Bruins penalty kill in check. They the Bruins were 0 for 2 on the power play, and the Rangers stayed out of the penalty box, which, you know, that's half the battle right there. So nice job by the Rangers on that front. And Georgiev played very well again today. You know, I thought he really kind of kept them in the game early, and he comes up with 31 saves on 33 shots. He he was rock solid. And we're gonna keep an eye on him going forward. It, it's a very fascinating situation. This three goalie rotation that the Rangers are using right now and we'll see you know and I saw some chatter on Twitter that you know it's very disrespectful for the Rangers to not have Henrik Lundqvist you know basically play at all recently it's been pretty much just Shesterkin and Georgiev after the all-star break and I'm just wondering and you know I'm just kind of thinking out loud here but by sitting down Lundqvist and just basically not allowing him to play at all are the Rangers sort of playing some hardball and trying to entice Lundqvist to waive his no-move clause, because if you make it where Lundqvist just isn't playing at all, and he's just sitting on the bench game after game after game, and it's a sad sight. I hate seeing Lundqvist do nothing but warm the bench, and that's all that it's been after the All-Star break. I believe he's only started one game since the All-Star break here, and so, I mean, is that the plan? Are they just trying to send him a message that, listen, man, you're not going to play at all here, so either get comfortable on the bench or waive your no-move clause, and are the Rangers in the right or in the wrong in doing that. And it, it's a tricky situation because I think in the Rangers' perfect world, they would like to see Lundqvist move the, uh, excuse me, wave the no-move clause and accept a trade somewhere else. And 
as a fan, I would like to see that too, because I haven't been shy about saying this. I would like to see Lundqvist go somewhere else and get a chance to win a Stanley Cup because I, I just can't see it happening on the Rangers this season or really even next season either. So I would love to see Lundqvist, you know, go to a Western Conference team, go chase a Stanley Cup. But it is, it's a tough situation for everybody. You know, I mean, the front office, they might very well be doing this as a way, again, to, to try to get Lundqvist to uh, waive the no-move clause and go somewhere else, and then that way they can keep both Georgiev and Shesterkin at least through the rest of the season, and then who knows what happens in the offseason with Georgiev as a restricted free agent, but certainly a situation worth keeping an eye on. I mean, here we are. We're only a week away from the NHL trade deadline, and I have said I, I think somebody's got to go, and maybe by playing Georgiev so much, and he's obviously played well in this three-game stretch. He's been outstanding for the Rangers. He was very good again here today. Maybe his stock is on the rise, so maybe they can move Alex Georgiev before the trade deadline if Lundqvist does not waive the no-move clause. But either way, they're kind of set up because if, if Lundqvist waives the no-move, then he probably gets traded. If he does not, then Georgiev has played well, and his stock is on the rise, and he probably gets traded. And again, I don't know what the perfect answer is. It, it's a difficult situation, but I think, again, you know, the Rangers with this three-goalie rotation— handling it about as well as they can, although I would like to see Lundqvist get back out there for at least one more game with the Rangers uh, before the trade deadline happens. Again, I don't think he's going to waive his no-move clause, but if he does and the Rangers do indeed trade him, then I want to see Lundqvist out there at least one more time for the Rangers. I think all Ranger fans can probably agree with that. Just to correct myself real quick here before we go any further, Lundqvist has actually technically played three times since the All-Star break. He has only started twice, and then the game against the Jets, he came in for about six minutes there and made the one save. So, but yeah, for all intents and purposes, he's played twice. He started two games. I don't really count that game against the Jets. It was just a quick cameo. So yeah, two starts for Lundqvist post-All-Star break. Just some other quick notes here before we dive into the period-by-period -period breakdown. Tony D'Angelo remains out of the lineup with an injury, and it sounds like he's not too far away from returning. I think Quinn even mentioned that you know, he was pretty close today. So I would imagine that they would be aiming to get him back out on the ice when the Rangers uh, next play, and that is Wednesday at Chicago at 8 p.m. I would imagine D'Angelo will probably be back out there for that one, but just obviously erring on the side of caution here, and he's got an extra two days to rest up and recuperate and get ready to go against Chicago. Brendan Smith remains at defense. And the other thing that the Rangers did was they recently called up Joey Keane from AHL Hartford. Now, Keane profiles is a little bit of a two-way defenseman. He was an all-star at Hartford and another one of these defensemen that the Rangers think very highly of, and he has been a healthy scratch. But I would imagine it's only a matter of time until he gets onto the ice. Maybe post-trade deadline, you'll see him out there. I mean, I don't know who could be on the move for the Rangers. Obviously, you know, Brady Shea's name comes up every so often. Tony D'Angelo's name comes up, and maybe even Brendan Smith. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But either way, I think sooner or later here, the Rangers going to find a way to get Joey Keane on the ice. Again, you know, he's a highly thought of prospect, and I don't think that they called him up to the Rangers to just sit in the press box every night. Right now, there's just a little bit of a logjam, and obviously that logjam will be even more abundant when Tony D'Angelo returns from his injury. I would imagine when D'Angelo comes back, they would probably just move Brendan Smith back to being a healthy scratch. And again, Smith is somebody who could be on the move as well. But we'll keep an eye on it. Like I said, I think before long, within at least like a week or two, I think we're going to see Joey Keane on the ice for the Rangers. Otherwise, there was really no point to call him up because, again, he's a highly thought of prospect. He's not there to just, you know, take up space in the press box. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing Joey Keane's debut. We'll talk about him a little bit more in tomorrow's episode as well. But for now, definitely want to dive into the period-by-period -period breakdowns. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Rangers is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Ranger fans just like you. 
Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Ranger fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. So David Pasternak gets the first scoring opportunity of the game, really for either team, at least the first quality scoring opportunity. He basically is sprung into the zone up the center of the ice on a lead pass, but Brady Shea stays with him. This maybe could have been a penalty for hooking, but Alex Georgiev reached out, poked it away with his stick, and Georgiev was really sharp early in this game. He was sharp really throughout the game, but he did a nice job keeping the Bruins off the scoreboard early in this one. The Bruins won an offensive zone draw, and Georgiev immediately came up with a pair of really rapid-fire saves there to get another play stoppage, another face-off. Brendan Lemieux, I thought, had a pretty strong game for the Rangers. Of course, he's moved down to the fourth line here with Philip DiGiuseppe starting to kind of assert himself on the third line. But Lemieux has played well. He moves in up the left wing early in this game, takes a shot. The stop is made by Halak. There's a rebound and another save and a play stoppage. But then Lemieux, you know, true to form, he basically just gives someone a shove. And I like it. You know, he's looking to set a tone here. He's not going to be reactive and wait for the Bruins to kind of start trying to push the Rangers around a little bit here. Instead, he's going to kind of go on the offensive here. And again, nothing vicious, nothing malicious, but just kind of a way of letting the Bruins know that, hey, you know, this is our building. You know, we're going to we're gonna fight you guys today. And, you know, it, trying to set a tone early for the game here for the Rangers. So you'd like to see that from Brendan Lemieux. That's what he's out there for. And uh, you got to like to see it as a Ranger fan. And then I got to talk about this because there's a dust-up between Ryan Lingren and Brad Marchand along the boards. Basically, Lingren's going in. He's looking to deliver a hit. And... Marshan sidesteps him a little bit, but as he does, he basically just punches Lindgren in the back of the head, and Lindgren retaliates and, you know, goes after him and, and starts shoving him, and, you know, a lot of fisticuffs there. I mean, they didn't actually drop the gloves because Brad Marchand isn't going to do that, but yeah, I mean, a lot of pushing and shoving there, and Lindgren gets called for a penalty, and he goes off for, I believe it was roughing, but the thing about this that, that just drives me crazy is... Brad Marchand is a guy in this league who has a reputation, a well-earned reputation of being a dirty player. I mean, he's always out there, you know, trying to get in people's heads, which, okay, that's part of the game, but then he licks people, which is just disgusting. I mean, he, he needs to be suspended the next time he pulls that crap. But basically, the thing that gets me here is, you know, we have, we have Brendan Lemieux on this team, and obviously, you know, he's a little bit of a lightning rod himself. Sometimes he goes looking for trouble when maybe he doesn't necessarily need to. And the refs react to Brendan Lemieux. Anytime Lemieux does anything, we've seen some just absolutely obscene penalties called against Brennan Lemieux this season. There was one, I believe it was against the Stars, where there was a play stoppage and he kind of just like bumped into somebody during the play stoppage in the neutral zone and they, they sent him off for two minutes. Just ridiculous stuff. And then you've got a guy like Brad Marchand and, you know, the refs are out there and they're letting him get away with punching somebody in the back of the head here and only Lingren gets penalized. Now, maybe the refs didn't see Marchand punch Lingren in the back of the head, but wake up. You know, it's Brad Marchand. You should always keep an eye on him anyway. There's two refs out there. One of them should have been able to see this. It was, it was a straight right cross to the back of the head, and, and nothing happens here. So the Bruins go on the power play, and 
as a Ranger fan, this is when you really want to see them kill off, and that's exactly what they do. Again, penalty kill was strong once again for the Rangers here in this one. Only two opportunities for the Bruins, but they didn't really get any chances on really either power play, so penalty kill unit again stepping up for the Blue Shirts. Rangers do get one of their only scoring opportunities of the first period. The puck basically came loose to Artemi Panarin in front of the net, and he sent it just wide. But uh, this is one of the Rangers' best sustained pushes here. They keep the puck in deep for a while. Adam Fox gets a chance moving in, but his shot basically just hits Halak right in the gut, and Halak hangs on for a stoppage. And then McAvoy forces a turnover in the neutral zone. The Bruins gain entry, and McAvoy follows up by pinching in. He finds a loose puck. He shoots it, and it looked like Georgiev got a little piece of it to deflect it out of play, so a nice stop by Georgiev there. And then the Bruins, they make it one to nothing. Again, it's one of those like follow-the-bouncing-puck kind of goals. 41 seconds left in the first period, and they score on just a weird deflection. So McAvoy plays the puck toward the net, and it either def- it must have deflected off of Truba because they ended up giving the goal to McAvoy. Wagner was there for the Bruins, but I don't think it actually touched him. It deflected off of Truba, sails into the air over Georgiev's head and into the net. one nothing Bruins, just a, a lousy fluke goal there. There's nothing really anybody can do about it, but just like that, it's going to be one nothing Bruins heading into the first intermission. Second period begins, and just not a good period overall for the Rangers. They really got off to a rough start here, really back on their heels in the first few minutes of this period. The rink is basically just tilted. The Rangers are turning the puck over a couple times in the neutral zone, and then they do get a little bit of a break here because catches Lindgren in the face of this stick. Uh, Totally accidental, but uh, Lindgren is bleeding, so it's going to be a double minor, a four-minute power play for the Rangers. Now, the Bruins, I should point out, they do have the second-best penalty kill in the league, and I thought they were outstanding over these four minutes, but the Rangers were pretty anemic themselves. I mean, it's like is usually the case. It's a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. The Rangers not doing so great on the power play, but the Bruins, again, possessing one of the absolute best penalty kill units in the league. So, Mix those two things together, and it was just nothing doing for these entire four minutes. This is one of the absolute worst Ranger power plays that I can remember seeing because this unit, again, it's been on fire. I stood up for this unit a little bit earlier in the season, even when the goals weren't there. And for the most part, the Rangers have been great on the power play this season, but this was bad. They just could not get anything going. It was just clear after clear after clear after clear after clear. No really quality scoring opportunities to speak of during the four-minute power play. The weird thing is that right after the power play ended, the Rangers actually sustained some pressure. It must have been a partial line change because I swear I saw Foss, Giuseppe, and McKeg out there together. So that's guys from, from three different lines. But yeah, they had a couple of chances. Few shots went wide, but they actually got some pressure, ironically, right after the four-minute power play ended. And then I definitely want to call a little bit of attention to this play here because I thought it was just basically like the quintessential Brady Shea play here. So again... I, at times this season, have been tough on Brady Shea. I I definitely know that. There's also times where I've stood up for him and defended his play. You know, it really is a mixed bag with Brady Shea. You don't know which Brady Shea is going to show up on any given night. And on this play, the Bruins have the puck behind the Ranger net. Brady Shea skates in, delivers a big hit, takes the puck away all in one motion. Awesome. He starts to bring the puck up the boards there, and then there's not really any pressure on him, and he tries to make an outlet pass through the neutral zone and just misses by a mile and takes an icing. So in the span of about... Six or seven seconds, we see the best of Brady Shea and the worst of Brady Shea. So it is what it is. You know, again, you know, he, I, with Brady Shea, I'm not going to kill him. I think there are times, again, where he has played well this season. I know his name has come up a little bit in trade discussions. If the Rangers do trade Brady Shea and they get a nice return for him, I'd be all for it because, again, the inconsistency is just what gets you, you know, as a Ranger fan watching Brady Shea night in and night out. 
And then the Rangers almost got a lucky bounce in a game where they absolutely could have used one because, again, you know, they just were not sharp in these first two periods here. But basically, the puck goes behind the boards, bounces in front. Halak went behind the net to look to play the puck. And then Foss got to the loose puck again, you know, basically right on the side of the net there. Can't quite put it home. And the Bruins get it away. They get the clear. And then got to talk about this. Georgiev makes a really nice save. And there's a play stoppage and, you know, a little get together in front of the net. You know, it's really congested in there. Marchand with a vicious cross check to the back of Ryan Lindgren. And then just an outstanding job by Pavel Buchnevich standing up for his teammate here and doing the exact same thing to Brad Marchand. He followed up with a cross check to Marchand's back, equally as vicious. And I've always liked Pavel Buchnevich. I mean, you guys know if you've listened for any amount of time on here, you know I've stood up for him. And my opinion of him as a player just went up even more here because. You know, you don't think of, you know, if if there's going to be a Ranger who's going to do something like that, who's going to, you know, stand up for Lindgren in this situation and maybe put a cross-check to Marchand's back here, you think like, uh, you know, maybe Truba. I mean, I know Truba and Lindgren aren't going to be out on the ice at the same time all that often because they're not in the same defense pairing right now, but I could see Truba doing something like that. Certainly, I could see somebody like Brennan Lemieux doing something like that. I think he would absolutely relish the opportunity. Kreider, you know, Kreider might, might stand up for his teammate in a spot like that. There's other guys, too. I mean, maybe Brendan Smith, maybe Jesper Foss, just to throw out a couple of names. But one of the last guys I would expect to do that is Pavel Buchnevich. And nothing against him, but, you know, he's not really known for, you know, throwing his weight around the way that some other guys do. I haven't seen him really get into any uh, post-play scrums this season. But just an awesome job by Buchnevich there. And Brad Marchand had it coming. He has that coming in a lot more because Brad Marchand is a gutless punk. And that's just the facts. This is a guy who goes around licking people. He's a guy who starts issues after the play, and he never has the guts to drop his gloves and get into a fight. Marchand has been in a grand total of four fights since 2015 because, again, he is absolutely gutless. He's one of the dirtiest players in hockey. And just to, you know, set the record straight here, there is nothing funny or charming or endearing about anything that Brad Marchand does on a hockey rink. And again, I know it didn't happen in today's game, but if he ever pulls that crap where he licks somebody ever again, he should be suspended for 50 games for that. It's absolute nonsense. It's got no place in this game. And finally, it was nice to just see him get his comeuppance here. Buchnevich, uh, again, you know, Pavel Buchnevich might have just become my favorite player with that one cross check right there. Unfortunately, the one part about this that really makes you sick is that the Rangers do get a power play out of all this. You know, they actually do penalize Marchand, two-minute power play for the Rangers. Not only do the Rangers not score, not only do they not really get any scoring chances, but Jacob Truba with a misplay at the blue line, he tried to move the puck to his right. He tried to make a pass and kind of keep the scoring threat alive, but it was really ill-advised, and Coyle basically just steals the puck, goes in on a breakaway, beats Georgiev over his left shoulder, and ah, uh, just makes you sick that not only do the Rangers not make Marchand pay for all his nonsense, but that they actually give up a goal shorthanded here. So again, not a great night for the Ranger power play overall, giving up a goal here while on the man advantage. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into the third period here. The Bruins got a power play opportunity late in the second period. Most of it carried over here into the third, but the Rangers do a nice job on the kill here, and Georgiev made a couple of nice stops to make sure the score stays where it is at 2-0. And then the Rangers, in the last, let's say, 12 minutes of this game, really looked like a completely different team. They finally started to kind of find their legs a little bit, play with that great speed that they can play with, and, and just start to assert themselves a little bit and create some scoring opportunities. And I touched on this a little bit in the intro, but I would go so far as saying the Rangers, I think they had more scoring opportunities in the last 12 minutes of this game than they did for the first 
48 minutes, and that's saying a lot, but for whatever reason, they just were finally able to, to find their game and, again, you know, play with a lot more speed. Zibanejad kind of got them going here. He moves up the center of the ice. He goes in with a lot of speed, but he gets tripped to the ice by Krug, and he dishes to his left to Chris Kreider. Kreider is running out of room, and he puts it just wide of the net, off the side of the net there. But the good news is they got Krug for the trip, and the Rangers go on the power play here. Power play starts. There is a lengthy scrum along the boards here. There were multiple players involved. One guy I definitely saw was Pavel Buchnevich. The Rangers work the puck back to the blue line. They're moving the puck around a little bit. Kreider dishes to his right to Sabanajad, and Sabanajad just lets it fly from the blue line off the bar and in off the near post and into the net. And just like that, 2-1, to one, it's been a rough afternoon for the Rangers. The Bruins have mostly had their way here in Madison Square Garden. But just like that, you're down by one goal. And when you look at what this Ranger team has done recently, not just winning games, but coming back in games as well, you're hopeful. You're optimistic that maybe they found their game here and that, you know, it's just going to be the latest example of another fantastic third period performance here. And the Rangers seem to get a boost from that goal. Capo Caco zips into the Bruins zone, forces a turnover, and then the puck gets to Philip Hedl. Hedl basically just throws it across the crease, probably looking for a tip-in goal. Unfortunately, nobody able to get their stick on it. But then another, this was such a good scoring chance. Caco is in the corner. He centers to Philip DiGiuseppe, and DiGiuseppe just blasts a one-timer right there from the slot. Halak... You got to give him credit. He made a fantastic kick save here. Sticks out his left pad. Maybe just got a piece of it with his skate. Barely keeps this puck out of the net. The Rangers missing the equalizer by mere inches there. Probably Halak's best. It had to be Halak's best save of the night. There's no probably about it. That was definitely his best save. And unfortunately, the Rangers miss the game-tying goal there by inches. And then a big play by Ryan Lindgren here. David Pasternak is coming in, and he's matched up with Lindgren. And Pasternak's dangerous. I believe he's at or near the top of the NHL in goals scored right now. But Lindgren, with a big hit on Pasternak, knocks him to the ice. Maybe it was a little bit of a cross-check, but they've kind of set the precedent that they're going to let them play in the third period. There have been a couple of no-calls both ways up to this point. And we got to give some love to Ryan Lindgren here because he has taken an absolute beating in this game. He's basically like the new Brendan Lemieux. He was cut on the nose during that earlier altercation with Marchand, and then he was busted open a little bit later in the game when he was struck in the face by David Krejci's stick, and he obviously drew the four-minute power play there. So he just played with a lot of guts today. And again, this is a guy, remember, Ryan Lindgren was not even expected to make this team. And we've talked so much about all the, you know, Ranger prospects that they have at defense, you know, in the minors and everything. And, you know, some of them are already, some of the prospects are already, have already turned into great players for the Rangers. Show me a better defensive defenseman on this team than Ryan Lindgren. He is going to be here for a long time going forward. And I think the Rangers definitely lucky to have him. Rangers, again, continue to play their best hockey of the afternoon here late in this third period. They pull Alex Georgiev with 1.30 to go, and the Rangers gain entry. They kind of set up shop on Boston's side of the ice, but nothing's really happening, and the Bruins take an icing with 35 seconds left. Rangers take their timeout to try to draw something up, but really, that was it. No other chances. The Bruins basically got control of the puck off of the ensuing faceoff, and they got it into the Rangers' zone, and I don't think the Rangers re-entered the Bruins' zone. They got it up to the neutral zone, but then Bergeron gets the puck, and he scores on the empty net with 12 seconds to go to make it 3-1, to and that was indeed the final. So the four-game winning streak does come to an end. I think it's important to keep in mind who the Rangers went against here, and I am going to look at this positively because even though the Rangers had a lackluster effort in the first two periods, and we could talk about that, you know, they got to come out sharper than that. They got to come out stronger than that. And that's all true. But despite all this, they were right in this game. They really had a chance to win this game late. They had some great scoring opportunities down the stretch. They came within inches of getting the game tying goal late in the third period there. It was so close to being yet another epic comeback by this team. 
They lose 3-1 to one. again. They were not at their best in the first two periods. You do have to keep in mind the quality of the, of the opponent, however. And now I'm interested to see how do they respond to a loss because it's been a while since they've lost. It's been a while since I've had to come on here and, and talk about a loss, and that's been really nice. But they are back in action Wednesday night in Chicago against the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks, they are a far cry from the team that they were as recently as, you know, four or five years ago, however far you want to go back. It's a very winnable game on the road in Chicago, and the Rangers will have two days to rest up and get ready for that game. Now, I will have an issue if the Rangers come out and they play in the first two periods against the Blackhawks the way they did today. They got to come out hungry. They got to come out looking to assert themselves. Uh, The Blackhawks really got off to a bad start this season, but I do believe they have crawled back into the playoff picture. I'm going to take a look at this right now. Yeah, the Blackhawks in 58 games have 26 wins, 24 losses, and eight overtime losses. That's good for 60 points. They're actually in fourth to last place in the entire Western Conference. However, they are just six points out of the second wildcard spot, which is currently, actually both wildcard teams have 66 points. That would be the Flames and the Coyotes. So it's a huge game for the Blackhawks, kind of similar to some of these games coming out of the All-Star break where the Rangers had to go on the road and play desperate teams. It's going to be the same thing here. But Blackhawks, again, they are no longer this powerhouse that they once were. Yes, they're in the playoff chase, but this is a very winnable game for the Rangers. And I look for them to bounce back and take two points against the Blackhawks in Chicago. No word yet on who starts in goal, but we will obviously keep an eye on that for you guys as well. And that's going to pretty much do it for today. Definitely come back tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit about Joey Keene. You know, we mentioned him a little bit today, but going to go into greater depth about just who he is as a player and what the Rangers can expect out of him and try to project when he'll get into the lineup. Obviously, you know, there could be there could be some trades between now and the time that I record the next episode. So if anything happens there with the Rangers, we'll talk about that and we'll we'll talk about, you know, who's more likely to be traded, who's less likely to be traded, because all this can fluctuate on a daily basis, maybe even an hourly basis. So we'll talk about the trade deadline as well, and we'll see what else we can get into. But for now, that's going to pretty much do it for today. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, absolutely send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give me a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And absolutely Keep an eye on Locked On NHL. First of all, it's a fantastic show to begin with, a fantastic podcast, and all those hosts do a tremendous job there. But we've got a special coming out on Monday and Tuesday. On Monday, it's going to be the Western Conference, and what you're going to get is every single Locked On podcast host that has a Western Conference team is going to talk for about three to four minutes about their team and what they could and should be doing at the trade deadline. And then, of course, on Tuesday, it's going to be the same thing with the Eastern Conference. So you'll have me on there talking about the Rangers for about four minutes or so, and then all the other Locked On podcast hosts as well. And seriously, like every Locked On podcast host does a tremendous job. They are right on top of their team. It's going to be a really fun listen. I'm looking forward to listening to it myself. And I also talk about the Blue Jackets because we do not yet have a host for Locked On Blue Jackets. They, Them and the Flames, I believe, are the only two teams that don't have a Locked On host. So I discuss what the Blue Jackets might be doing at the trade deadline as well. So definitely looking forward to all that good stuff. And like I said, we're going to be back here with a new episode on Tuesday. Until then, take care, guys, and thanks for tuning in, and I will see you next time.